the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Are you a Detroiter? Prove it. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes around here, where the ups and downs of the city's fortune have seen its popularity rise and fall and rise again. So what does it mean to actually be a Detroiter? Why do we care so much about that? Today, we're going to have a conversation about Detroitness, as we might call it. Who has it, who doesn't, and who gets to decide? It's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us today. If you know me at all, you know how important it is to me to be a Detroiter. I'm a Detroiter by birth. I'm a Detroiter by choice. And I make a lot of effort to be sure that I'm here and present and part of the city, whether things are going well or whether things are going great. But I have to say this about Detroit. I've never lived anywhere else where the question about where someone lives or where they're from intones more like an accusation than a genuine inquiry. I'll give you an example. Where are you from? Where are you from? No, really. Where are you from? It's kind of funny, a reflection in some ways of that tough Detroit attitude and skepticism that we all have. But when we as Detroiters do that, I think we're also calling on a lot of history and genuinely complicated feelings. The truth is, it's been really hard to live here for several decades, as other people left for the suburbs or other places, and disinvestment really diminished what was left behind. Detroiters, those of us who've stayed, have had to survive this city as much as anything else. There's a real sense of hardship that comes through in our defensiveness about who lives here and who doesn't. And in recent years, as the city's overall reputation has been improving, and for the first time in a long time, there's a real sense of cool growing up around the idea of being in Detroit. It feels like calling yourself a Detroiter is becoming more popular than it's ever been in my memory. And so that question, where are you from, takes on more and more meaning in our dialogues. And we got to be honest, as with all things in our region, this dynamic is even further complicated by race. As the city lost population, those who were leaving were overwhelmingly white. And those who stayed, overwhelmingly black and brown. There are plenty of people who now want to say they're Detroiters, either because they live here now or they grew up here, or they live somewhere in Metro Detroit and want to associate with the cool that is now becoming part of Detroitness. But at the same time, there are people who are just not so willing to share that title with others who they might say, hey, they haven't earned it. For some of us who've lived inside the city, paid taxes here, dealt with all of the things that have gone wrong and seen others abandon the city when the chips were down, to us, the title of Detroiter is one that you got to have to earn. It can't just be snatched or given. But I also wonder, 
why we care so much about this question. I've lived in other communities, Chicago and Baltimore, even Lexington, Kentucky. And those are places that have their own provincial quirks and cultural kind of traditions. I don't remember this question being asked in quite the same way in those communities. So what does it tell us about ourselves here in Southeast Michigan that we do care a lot about who gets to say they're a Detroiter and who should not? A little later today at noon, I'm going to join our midday show, Culture Shift, to take a look at the question of who gets to be a Detroiter. I'm really excited to sit in with the host of that show, which I don't get to do an awful lot. But before that, right now, I want to talk about what it means to be a Detroiter here on our show, on Detroit Today. What does it mean to be a Detroiter? Who gets to say that they are a Detroiter, and more important, why does it matter so much? And who gets to decide all of these things? We want to hear from you, of course, on the phones and on social. Give us a call, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. What do you make of this really intense insistence on fighting, arguing over who's a Detroiter. How do you define it? Who do you think should define it? You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation that way. We have three really great guests with us to sort through all of this, and they're people who have, for different reasons and in different spaces here, really been thinking an awful lot about who's a Detroiter, why they get to say they're a Detroiter, and who gets to decide. Jamon Jordan is the city of Detroit's official historian. He's also the founder of Black Squirrel Network History and Tours. Nicole Trujillo-Pagan is an associate professor of sociology here at Wayne State University. She specializes in race, ethnicity, and immigration. And Carrie Jr. II used to be an audio producer at the Detroit Free Press, and he was also the host of the On the Line podcast. He recently left the paper as part of the departures there, uh, as part of the cost savings. Uh, Carrie and Nicole, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. And we've also got uh, Jamon waiting by in the studio, uh, (laughs) who will join us in a second as well. So, uh, Carrie... I want to start with you. Last fall mm-hmm. on the On the Line podcast, you asked that question, who gets to be a Detroiter? I thought it was such a provocative <laughs> theme for a show, and then you had all this really great uh, conversation as, as part of it. But let's start with why you asked that question and what you learned uh, when you asked it on your show. Um, it's interesting that you asked that. Well, thank you for having me this morning, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um I think part of it is, you know, being in the media space, too, we, we, we understand that Detroit has a specific perception that comes from uh, what people read and what people hear about our city. And so I think that primarily is what really sparked my interest in it. I knew that if we were going to have a podcast, particularly from a major paper in the city, that we needed to be careful about how we not only represented the news, but know that we are also a representation of Detroit um, and so through that, my brain kind of was turning like, hmm, like how do we make sure we ensure that we're doing that? And more, part of the, the, I guess, vision of what On The Line was and, and was to make sure that we were elevating the voices of those who were in and living in the city. And so this episode kind of was just a way for us to kind of reinstate that, say, hey, this is what this show is about. We want to make sure we're talking to folks who um, identify as Detroiters. And so if we're going to do that, we wanted to then define it and talk about why that mattered. And I mean, you beautifully outlined in your intro the context of why this time right now kind of propels that question to the forefront of a lot of dialogue in the city right now. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Detroit, it looked very, very different than it does now. And so 
Um, you know, there's branding about it. There's folks who want to claim the city. And so we just want to make sure we had that conversation pretty publicly because we know we're having it in, in private. So yeah, yeah. Pretty much why. And what did you hear from the folks you had on? You know, I had I had four panelists, Angela, uh, Angela Reyes. I had on Luther Keith. Um, I had on Jeanette Pierce. Um, I had uh, good folks who are from the city who are doing work in the community with Detroiters in their neighborhoods. And I mean, the consensus was, you know, a Detroiter is really someone who, who grew up in the city. You know, you, you pay taxes here. Um, you know, you go to school here. You know what it's like to live in Detroit. You don't, you don't, it's it's not a travel to the city for a sports game situation. It's not a, um, you know, I I have a business out in, you know, Royal Oak Township, but, you know, <laughs> fairly rarely frequented the actual city bounds. Um, and so I, I'd say that was pretty much the consensus. It's just like someone who, who grew up, who knows the streets, who knows the lingo. Um, and I, I even remember <laughs> Angela Reyes even making a comment, something to the effect of, I'm paraphrasing, but like, you know Detroit when you see one. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we can spot each other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a certain, you know, uh, way we carry ourselves here and, and, and how we associate with that. I should also want to caveat this. I want to make sure, like, I don't, I don't want to say, like, I'm speaking from this all-knowing perspective, right? I feel like the part of why we had that show, yeah. because I wanted to know, too. Yeah. I grew up in Royal Oak Township, if uh-huh. you, you know where that is. Yeah. In Absolutely. Mile, Wyoming, that Kroger. So, yeah. I mean, people could say I'm not a Detroiter too if they wanted to. So, I can understand that perspective. Um, so, I wanted to make sure we were having that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, Jaman, I'm really glad uh, you're here for a number of reasons. But one of them is that you and I grew up in the city at about the same time. And, That's right. And and I think for us, the the sort of arc of this question is is more defined than it is for Detroiters of different ages. That's right. Uh, you know, we, we're born in the 70s, mm-hmm. which is the the decade where uh, where so much turns in mm-hmm. the city, where so much changes. Uh, the 80s and 90s are, are full of this kind of depopulation and turning people turning their backs That's on right. Detroit and, and looking down on us. And now... Everyone is uh, is trying to come back <laughs> and say, right. "Look, I never left, and I was always I was always into being a, a Detroiter." So, so I, I, I want to start with you, just talking about what for you mm-hmm. uh, it means to be a Detroiter. Has it changed mm-hmm. over over our lifetime? And and again, why does this matter so much to yeah. us? Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, I grew up in the '70s, and of course, about in the '80s, and. Um, and Detroit was depopulating, and of course, white flight was continuing. It had already started, and then black middle class flight was going on. And so, I saw a Detroit that was um, struggling. You know, the, many of the places that we go to downtown today that are filled with restaurants and stores, those were abandoned buildings um, when I was growing up. And so, for part of it, of course, part of it is being in Detroit when Detroit was li- living in Detroit was a struggle. Mm-hmm. So. There, there's a feeling that, uh, and, and there's a, 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 you know, a feeling of um, um, resentment when people are coming saying they're, in, they're Detroiters now when so much of Detroit that used to be undeveloped is developed. So that's one issue. And of course, there's this race issue, of course. Um, white flight really begins after World War II. It speeds up after the 1967 uprising and then again after the election of uh, Mayor Coleman Young. And so people who moved out of the city of Detroit, they moved to Royal Oak, they moved to Farmington, they moved to Bloomfield, they moved out of the city, and they were being helped by federal government home loans and bank mortgages, they were being assisted, and really it was they were defining themselves as not Detroiters. And they were being, being they were given benefits to not be from Detroit. You could not get those FHA loans in the late 60s and 70s and, and be living in the city of Detroit. Um, so they had to move out. And even in the 40s and 50s, they had to move to certain areas of the city of Detroit or out of the city of Detroit. So um, they were basically, they, they, they loved not being, or they <laughs> identified themselves as not being Detroit. What we, we have Rochester out here, and it's a nice neighborhood, great schools, great roads. It's not like Detroit. <laughs> and so that's kind of how they define themselves. So now when I see people who were born and raised or, or, or older and they grew up, uh, or they moved out of the city of Detroit back in the 60s. 
and now they are wearing a Detroit versus everybody shirt or they're wearing a Detroit struggles harder. What I say about those people is they want the rough without the real. They want the attachment to Detroit as being a strong place, as being a place of grittiness, a place of hard nose working. They want that part, but they don't want to actually have lived in Detroit during the times when it was the hardest to live in the city of Detroit. And so that's a part of the resentment that particularly African-American Detroiters, but other people who were born and raised and grew up in the city of Detroit. That's part of that resentment they have for people who grew up in Royal Oak, grew up in um, Farmington, grew up in in Bloomfield or or Birmingham. They grew up in these middle class, um, um, predominantly white neighborhoods that had, of course, much more resources than Detroiters, um, uh, particularly African-American Detroiters, but Detroiters in general had and they now want to associate with a Detroit, at least a portion of the city of Detroit. Not all of Detroit, of course, is being super developed. <laughs> Not all of it is cool, right? <laughs> That's right. But the cool parts of Detroit, they want to hammer those out for themselves and, and identify with those parts of the city of Detroit and dismiss the fact that for decades Detroit was neglected and abandoned by the people who um, populated those predominantly white and, suburbs. And in some ways, it's I feel like it's it's like we're not we we don't feel seen right. by That's these right. folks, right? That that look, we we had to we didn't have a choice. That's about, right about where we live for a long time, That's and, right. and we grew up here, and and um, you know there were as you point out there were things about that that weren't easy or fun or mm-hmm. or entertaining, and and for folks to now say, look, I'm a Detroiter, and equate that mm-hmm. to what we feel I mean, there's it, it does feel threatening yeah. in, in some way yeah yeah uh nicole i want to bring you into the conversation here um and before i do i want to play a little clip of uh what happened when carrie was discussing this on his podcast uh, luther keith who is executive of arise detroit he, he shared a really funny story from a time when he was in ghana and uh, heard something about detroit let's let's listen in 1992, I'm on a church tour in Africa, in Ghana. We're getting ready to go to the Elmina Slave Castles. I'm sitting there by myself. I'm having an adult beverage, just kicking back and chilling, looking at the beautiful Atlantic Ocean. And a gentleman in traditional Ghanaian attire comes up to me and he says in a heavy accent, says, brother, where are you from? I said, Detroit. Michigan in the United States. He said, East Side or West Side? (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out he was a doctor and got his degree at Wayne State Uh University. (laughs) And he knew that Detroiters always asked that and just blew my mind. But it's a true story. (laughs) I love love that story. East Side or West Side all the way. In Ghana, that has uh, importance. Uh, Nicole, as a sociologist and someone who came to Detroit by way of New York, I wonder what you make of this this issue that we have here as Detroiters about who is a Detroiter and how powerful it is. So powerful in that clip that it had made it all the way back to Africa <laughs> that they understood the difference between uh, East and West here. Well, I think that uh, his his uh, recognition of Detroit and his uh, investment in Detroit, right, having gone to Wayne State University, is different than what Jamone was talking about with mm-hmm. these newcomers. And for me, what I hear is uh, a difference between who has a claim on a history, right? Who earned? I think that's the that's the central idea here. Who's invested over time? Who's who's person is part of this territory that we call Detroit. And on the other hand, people who have that history, who have made those sacrifices, that's what I hear being said, should be contrasted with people who get to just buy and sell, right? Mm -hmm. They get to sell their house and leave. And then, you know, they get to buy it at another time when they're Wealth has really increased as a virtue of having lived in the suburbs. And that degree of choice um, is something that is, I think, at the heart of what America is, that everybody should have that choice. But of course, we don't all have that choice. We don't all get to move to the suburbs. We don't all have that sequel, that equal ability to make claims to territory. And so at the beginning of this conversation, I couldn't help but but think back to the colonization of the United States, right? 
uh, you have all of these people from what is now the United Kingdom coming here. And even though you have tons of different tribes, their rights to owning the land are effectively annihilated, right? They could occupy the land, but that's it. Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, they were squatters because the real owners of the land, and again, this idea of ownership, mm -hmm. right, and buying, not having done anything meaningful to the land, but just their dominance, right, is a racial question. Mm -hmm. Their dominance is very clearly about their whiteness contrasted with the otherness of the Native American. So we keep hearing historically that people who cultivate the land, people who are part of the land, people who see it as part of their identity, those claims are always treated as secondary yeah. mm -hmm. in America to who can buy and sell. And, and right now, that's such a critical question here in the, in the city, literally, right? Who buys? Who sells? Who gets to benefit from all of these things that are now happening that are, that are great? Look, I, I, I'm never going to say that the things that are happening are bad things. The question is, who are they for? Mm -hmm. and, and, and who gets to benefit? And do you get to just kind of plop yourself down in the middle of it and say, hey, this is mine too? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that that's also part of the issue uh, mm -hmm. that I think that um, these spaces like downtown, big parts of southwest Detroit are really being repackaged. Mm -hmm. Right. When you say this, what who is this for? I keep hearing that from my students as they see literally the walls of their neighborhood change with muralists who are not, you know, the kids that they grew up with. They're being imported from different parts of the world. And that kind of makes an urban space palatable to a certain group of people, yeah. but not to traditional Detroiters who have earned, I think, the right to be here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about what it means to be a Detroiter. Of course, we're going to keep our guests, but we're going to get to you, listeners, on the phones and on social. No surprise, the phones are jammed today with folks who want to talk about this. Hunter, Sharita, and Munir in Detroit. We'll get to you, Mark in Redford Township, Ken in Troy. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us, and uh, we'll include you in the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. And I'm glad you've joined us today. Today we're talking about uh, who is a Detroiter, who is maybe not as much of a Detroiter as uh, other folks, and who gets to decide who is a Detroiter and who's not. Also, why this question is so important in our community. We've got three great guests with us here. Jamon Jordan is uh, City of Detroit's official historian and founder of the Black Scroll Network History and Tours. Uh, Nicole, Nicole Trujillo-Pagan is uh, an associate professor of sociology at Wayne State University. She specializes in race, ethnicity, and immigration. And Carrie Jr. II uh, is an audio producer and former host of the On the Line podcast at the Detroit Free Press. Uh, we want to hear from you, of course, as well. Uh, how do you describe who you are and where you're from. Uh, if you live in the city now but didn't grow up in the city, do you call yourself a Detroiter? Uh, if you live in Metro Detroit, uh, do you call yourself a Detroiter? When you travel, go to other cities and people ask you where you're from, where do you say you live and where do you say you're from and what does that mean to you? 313-577-1019 uh, is the number here on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us, and we can include you that way. I want to start today with Sharita in Detroit. Sharita, welcome to the show. Good morning, Stephen. Hey. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I am the same age as you and Jamon. Mm -hmm. And so I remember those times when everyone wanted to disassociate themselves with Detroit. If you didn't live, if you didn't leave during those times, there was a, a very negative thing attributed to that. I remember my parents getting questions about why they would let their daughters go to DPS high school. 
And so if you're still a Detroiter, I moved away from school and came back. I spent my entire professional career working and living in the city. So there is a real point of pride. Uh, and, and that's kind of the, the challenge and, and where the tension is for me. You're right. Just as Jamon said it, you know, you didn't want to be here. You didn't want to stay here in Detroit. I remember back then, it used to be a flex to say you were living in Southfield. That's right. Coming out, everybody wants to be a Detroit. <laughs> That's kind of like the challenge that I have in it. But I always say, everybody, this is a welcoming city, but you, you know, you have to come correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I'm really glad you called and made that point. Um, uh, so, Jaman, the, the the question of how people who are maybe new to Detroit or returning to Detroit um, uh, present themselves, how they interact with the space, mm-hmm. and how they interact with the folks, us. Who have been here That's right. is a really important dimension of this, and in a, in lots of cases, I think you get a different response. That's right from us, depending on how you do that. That's right. That's right. So yes, uh, people, of course, being born and raised and growing up in the city of Detroit, particularly during the times when Detroit was at its um, lowest level um, in in e- economically and population wise. Um, Growing up in that time and living in the city of Detroit, you you get to say you're from Detroit and no one will argue with you. But people who are coming to the city of Detroit now and they're sometimes young, sometimes older, when they're coming to the city of Detroit, how they interact with the city of Detroit? Are they involved in community organizations? Are they doing things that really um, help to strengthen the city of Detroit? They get treated differently and they get looked at differently when they say they're from Detroit than someone who is... Um, someone who just seems to be trying to use the term Detroit to benefit themselves, mm-hmm. but is doing nothing to benefit the city themselves. So yes, you're right. There are people who are part of organizations, grassroots organizations, who are, were not born and raised in the city of Detroit, who I interact with on a regular basis. But it would be hard for me to say they're not Detroiters because of so much blood, sweat, and tears that they've put in the city of Detroit to create institutions and to make things better in the city of Detroit. So I see them as being Detroiters because of the work they've put in in making themselves Detroiters. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not just about geography. It's, right. a, it's about effort That's uh, right. and, and investment. Uh, Sarita, I'm really glad you called uh, and made those points. Uh, let's go next to Mark in Redford Township. Mark, what's on your mind? Good morning. Sure. Hey. Nice to be on your show this morning. Um, I'm especially intrigued by your guest um, that you're having today. Jamon's points about having concern for the demographic is so important. I grew up in the city, too, and it's, I currently live in Redford Township, of course, but I attended Detroit Public Schools, Henry Ford, and when the Tigers won in 68, there was all this, um, all this fraternity and togetherness back then. But, and I still ride uh, the Detroit transit systems into the city to go to the cultural center, uh, to save my gas, of course, but um, <laughs> but every time I do that, I say to myself, how do we keep sustaining this with uh, funding for public transit and uh, keeping the city viable, not just for guests, but for the current residents? Yeah, Mark, I, I really appreciate the call and the, and, uh, the, the, the context in the story. I mean, this question of, you know, people who grew up here and then decide to live elsewhere or grow up outside the city and decide to live in Detroit now is is kind of in the margins here of of how you decide, you know, what what to call yourself. Carrie, this is this is kind of similar to your uh, your life story in, in terms of growing up outside the city. Mm-hmm. Albeit in a black community, I mean Redford, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not Redford, Roy, but Royal, Royal Oak Township, Township mm-hmm. is is a place where African Americans were forced to live mm-hmm. in the suburbs uh, mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't move into Ferndale and, and mm-hmm. some of the surrounding communities. But but talk about as a Detroiter now, somebody who lives here, how you describe who you are and mm-hmm. how important where you're from is versus what you what you are experiencing today. Hmm, interesting. I, you know, the township, I love the township. You know, family's still there. Mom and dad still live, live over in the township, so I'm, I'm there frequently. Um, it, I think 
it doesn't really differentiate in my mind too differently from when I lived in Detroit. Like I was just across the eight mile. Mm-hmm. And anytime we went out really to go anywhere, we were probably going into the city to go to school, mm-hmm. go to events. Um, but it wasn't as frequent probably as, you know, folks who are in the city. I wouldn't say I had the you know, quintessential Detroit neighborhood experience. Um, I, I honestly, I see myself as a Detroiter, but I would understand if someone else were to negate that. I think it'd be a conversation I'd be willing to have. Um, but I'm not here to say that I am the all-knowing Detroiter here. Um, I, I I feel like there is a certain level of uh, understanding how the region operates uh, economically, um, with the government and all that stuff mm-hmm. that come with that. Um, having voted in elections and paid taxes here, uh, I feel like that part of part of that um, informs my identity. But I think most importantly, because I've been working in the media space, I wanted to make sure that I was investing my time in not only not only talking about issues that were important for Detroiters, but making sure I was going to folks who had experienced these issues over time for that kind of storytelling. And I think for me, at least, as long as I'm continuing to invest in that way, that's kind of how I've been informing myself. Yeah. Um, I've been informing my identity of, of Detroit that way. That's a really thoughtful way to, 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 to go at yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to play another uh, quick clip from your conversation about this on the, mm-hmm. on the line. Uh, podcast. This is uh, Jeanette Pierce, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, a native Detroiter. But she's also founder of uh, City Institute. Here she's talking about a, a particular Detroit suburb uh, that that at one point decided it just didn't want much to do with Detroit. Mm-hmm. I was playing on a softball team in East Detroit when they changed the name from East Detroit to East Point, right? That level of separation and not using the name Detroit, everything you could possibly do to not use and be connected with Detroit. So I think if that doesn't happen, this, this part doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that yeah. was one of the most, I, I can remember when that happened I too. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it's hard to explain to people how much those kinds of things actually hurt mm-hmm. uh, when you're, when you're, I mean, I was a young person when the, mm-hmm. when this stuff happened too there's real pain you feel mm-hmm. when somebody essentially says where you're from is garbage, mm-hmm. right? And we don't want anything to do with that. We're going to associate ourselves with a place that we think is, is nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, same with uh, when I was, I can remember when I was about 12 or 13, um, you know, uh, families who lived in uh, the 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 area that I was living in started to move out mm-hmm. of the city, and I you know my friends were moving away, and I just remember how hard that was, how much that hurt mm-hmm. uh, that their parents were saying that the life we all had wasn't good enough for them anymore, and mm-hmm. they wanted something they wanted something more, something mm-hmm. different. It was always uh, some list of of things that they they were dissatisfied with uh, mm-hmm. in in our neighborhood. Uh, Nicole. Yeah, go ahead, Jamal. Yeah, I, I just want to say that this whole history of this resentment of who's a Detroiter and who's not mm-hmm. did not start with African American Detroiters. Yeah, it started with people who had left the city of Detroit right. who were um, resentful about Detroit. So the story of East Detroit changing itself to East Point, um, even before that, when when um, the Fair Housing Act is passed and. Um, former Governor Romney is a, a, the head of the of HUD. He tries to enforce it against Warren, and Warren basically states, "We don't even want federal money if it means we have to let African Americans move into a Warren." Mm-hmm. Um, Livonia um, passed it, basically um, stopped public transit. <laughs> because they didn't want Detroiters coming no in. No one's riding the bus out <laughs> we know, there. Yes, no one's mm-hmm. riding the bus out here. We don't need it because that's for Detroiters. Mm-hmm. So, and, of course, the long history of Dearborn's mayor, Orville Hubbard. Mm-hmm. So we have this long history of these, in some cases, straight-up sundown towns surrounding mm-hmm. the city of Detroit, people who did not want to associate themselves in any way with Detroit and Detroiters. And, of course, that's all wrapped up in race. Um, it's really about really keeping African-Americans out who had become a, a significant part of the city of Detroit and at some point became the majority of the city of Detroit. It's, a, it's all wrapped up in that and the resentment started that way. It was the out of Detroit folks who were anti-Detroit before Detroiters began to feel <laughs> resentment about those people who about were out of the city the of Detroit. Folks, yeah, mm-hmm. Nicole, is there something about Detroit um, that makes this different than other 
communities, or is this an American uh, phenomenon? As you were talking about the, the the history of this country being about all about uh, who owns what and who belongs where. Um, is there something about us that that makes this look different? Well, I. I, uh, we all know that Detroit is a hyper-segregated city. Mm-hmm. So I think, if anything, it just refracts an American story in high relief, you know? Um, there are uh, barrios and, quote-unquote, right, black areas of the mm-hmm. city, a quote unquote, what people had called ghettos, mm-hmm. in every urban environment. And it was black and brown folk who, mm-hmm. who held up urban areas around the country right. when whites fled to the suburbs. So I do think this is an American story. I think what happens in Detroit is just uh, much more, um, I guess, loud yeah. and yeah. clear. Yeah. Like there's no denying this. There's mm-hmm. no sort of, you know, beating around the bush about what happened. And I do think this, you know what you were saying, Stephen, about this sense of loss, right? The sense of abandonment. I mean, I think that People who grew up in brown and black areas in our generation, because I was born in 71, we all felt that. It was it was not just our friends who were leaving. It was your government who you mm-hmm. felt, right? Or the landlord who abandoned the house or maybe burned it to, to get insurance money. It was something that was so much deeper mm-hmm. than the friend who was leaving, right? Mm-hmm. It was an entire, like, packing up of all of the institutional supports that should have been there for you, mm-hmm. the teachers, the administrators, the dollars, the investors, and just leaving you. And I think that that's really an important, um, I guess, emotion that people of color feel about racism, that I don't know that um, people who are racialized as white always understand because yeah. that experience isn't... They don't have that experience. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It's that lack of choice, right? Um, right. That mm-hmm. comes with being black or brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation and continue to hear from you on the phones, which of course are still jammed, uh, and on social. We'll get to some of the Twitter comments as well. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number, though. If you want to join, uh, we will hear from Hunter in Detroit, Joanna and Warren, Munir in Detroit, John in East Detroit. And Ken in Troy when we get back. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about what it means to be a Detroiter and who gets to decide who's a Detroiter. I've got three guests with us today. Jamon Jordan is the city of Detroit's official historian and founder of Black Scroll Network History and Tours. Nicole Trujillo Pagan is an associate professor of sociology at Wayne State. She specializes in race, ethnicity, and immigration. And Carrie Jr. II is an audio producer and former host of the On the Line podcast at the Detroit Free Press. We want to hear from you, of course, as well. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us, and uh, we can work you into the city. I want to read a couple of Uh, Social comments before we get back to the phones. Big Neo says, Detroiters are folks that live in Detroit in reality and on paper. If your driver's license has a suburban address to avoid high insurance costs, you're not a Detroiter. If you weren't born and raised in Detroit, you are not from Detroit. Uh, Michael says, context matters to me. I've lived in Detroit the vast majority of my life. I live downtown now and get triggered when a fellow downtown resident claims they know Detroit when they moved here from 30 miles away just a year ago. Tobias says, when I'm outside the Tri-County area, I say I'm from Detroit. When inside the Tri-County area, I say I'm from the east side. When on the east side, I say I'm from Gross Point, which I am. I love, I love the uh, the distinctions you're drawing there, Tobias. Those are important. Uh, Josh says, I grew up in a different city, and I get annoyed when people from the suburbs claim to be from that city. Now that I live in the Detroit suburbs, 
I always say I'm from Metro Detroit or the Detroit area or near Detroit to anyone who asks, no matter where they are from. Lots of uh, different ways, I guess, of, of dealing with uh, these, these variations. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Munir in Detroit. Munir, welcome to the show. Good morning, Stephen. Hey. Uh, I wanted to uh, kind of just touch on the point of, uh, about uh, race. So um, I'm a, I, I was born in 81, uh, born here in Detroit, uh, and decided to stay in Detroit. Part, uh, pretty much 90% of my family has moved out. So uh, in the 80s, that's when it was, like, cool to, to move to Southfield. Everybody was trying to move to Southfield if you had some money or if you were doing well off. Mm-hmm. Um, on the racial issue, when it like, one of the things that just kind of hits me hard is, um, like, we had a uh, we have a, a pretty much a majority black city ran by black uh, people, black leaders. And, you know, it kind of hits hits you in the gut when you see black people give up on their own self-determination, their own ability to um, to, to govern themselves and kind of kind of take the cheaper route to follow, you know, more funding than to stand up and to um, establish, continue to establish something on your own. And number two, when it comes to, you know, um, our white neighbors, um, just like in the uh, larger culture, we have uh, kind of like the appropriation of black cool. Like everybody want to, you know, to say everybody <laughs> want to be black, but they don't want to be black. <laughs> so it's kind of like Detroit has a, um, comes with the stigma, not really the stigma, but the, the, the claim to resilience, to toughness, the ability to overcome uh, regardless of, uh, uh, what type of um, hardships have, have been put on you. So yeah. people want to lay claim to that, but they don't want to st- stand by, they don't want to uh, stick in and kind of defend yeah. Yeah. Or, or bring right. Um, right. those situations that, uh, that they don't want the uh, opportunity. Right. They don't yeah. really want to fight. They don't want to fight. They don't want to help uplift the people that are struggling. But they want to lay claim to the struggle, to the mm-hmm. victory. Yeah. Right. I mean, here, I really, I really appreciate you calling and, and making that point, and mm-hmm. and especially your point about folks who have who have left African Americans who mm-hmm. have left and right. who who don't think much of the city even now. And mm-hmm. and I'll tell a. A quick story about my own family. My sister, of course, grew up in the sister just in the city, just like I did. She's a few years younger than I am, but she stayed here longer uh, after uh, college than I did, and and lived through the '90s in Detroit, which I always refer to as maybe the city's worst decade in 300 years, <laughs> uh, in terms of all the bad things that happen and all the things that come apart. My sister, you could not come up with enough money or anything to convince her to move back to Detroit. She lives in another state now, but but if she moved back to Detroit, she wouldn't live in the city because for her, that that period of time when everybody was leaving and everything went wrong was damaging mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think people should, should you know, own where they're from mm-hmm. and, and, and want to be part of it. But I also, a part of me, Jaman, understands mm-hmm. The wounds that people mm-hmm. have from having been here in, in, in the worst times. That's right. That's right. Um, I, and, and I would say that Detroit is is it's different than a lot of cities. In some ways, it's you see some of the same things happen in places like Chicago or maybe Cleveland or even Cincinnati. But, you know, when I go to Atlanta, for instance, and um, I did a tour of a, there's a person who does what I do in Detroit in Atlanta. And I did a tour with that group. And they do a trivia part of the tour you know how many people live in Atlanta and I I thought I knew the answer I was like it's about 300,000 or so maybe 400,000 between three and 400,000 he said nope that's wrong went to the next person and someone came up with something like four million and I was and they he said correct he was talking the tour guy was talking about the Atlanta greater metro Atlanta area and then people who live in the metro Atlanta area consider themselves Atlanta Atlantans yeah and people in Atlanta don't really have a problem with that. Mm. In De- I, I told the tour guys, like in Detroit, you can do that. You yeah. couldn't say. <laughs> There's four million people <laughs> in Detroit. four million people in the city of Detroit, and you're talking about all these other places because people in Detroit would call you on that. They're like, those people, that's not Detroit. Um, Dearborn is not Detroit. Mm-hmm. Livonia is not Detroit. They would tell you those places are not Detroit. Right. But there are other cities 
even cities that have a significant African-American population that don't have those those border um, arguments like Detroit does. And so Detroit is in some ways unique or maybe not not as representative of, as other cities. I think Chicago has some of that as well. And there are other cities who do. But there are a lot of cities that don't have that. If you're from the area, you're considered a part of the city. Detroit don't play that. Yeah. <laughs> well, wasn't there an artist from Atlanta who released a song a couple years ago that was literally like the song was about you know, if you're from this area outside of Atlanta, you're not from actually not Atlanta. Atlanta. So, <laughs> so it's something. So good, some, they're adopting some, adopting some of our Detroit. Yeah, there's, vibe. I mean, there's, yeah, there's always some, some type of beef with you know inner yeah. city people who live inside the actual right. greater borders yeah. versus the, the outside. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Again, Munir, really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Let's go next to Hunter in Detroit. Hunter, welcome to the show. Go ahead, Hunter. Hey there. Yeah. Hi there. Um, yeah, I got a, a. Well, I moved here two years ago to rehab a duplex in the Jameson neighborhood, and um, that nobody knows about. And <laughs> and uh, got a friend in uh, Ann Arbor from Ann Arbor who was born in Detroit. She's African American. I'm white, and uh, she calls me a new Detroiter. And um, and I, I think I got a little bit of cred as a Detroiter because I've been I've been robbed a couple times and have a house broken into and all my firewood was stolen from my backyard so but I, yeah, I we like can all relate thing. Yeah. so there's, 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 there's one person can I add something yeah no, no go there's, ahead there's one person who should who should be by law prohibited from calling himself a Detroiter and that's Kid Rock <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that uh, one yeah. but, but that's another subject for another show um, but quickly I, I, explain to folks where Jameson is and uh, I guess what's going on in that part of the city you still there Hunter hmm. oh, I think Hunter might have might have hung up it's not far from my my understanding is it's not far from Boston Edison, um, and it's one of the cities, one of the areas of the city where people uh, are in investing again and trying to to make things uh, you know uh, better. I, I like that idea of new Detroiter, right? That's not a bad. That's not a. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a bad descriptor, right. uh, but it's a it's a you know it's a distinction. I guess you can you can draw. Um, I, f- I feel like too, if you don't mind me. Yeah, go ahead. Me, yeah, I don't want this conversation to feel like we're saying there are only these Detroiters and that's it. And we're the only ones who can be Detroiters and that's all that matters. We're the most important people in the region. I just think it's important to, and I I don't want to speak for you all, but I feel like it's important that we say that there's folks who we welcome new people, right? We do welcome people to come in and invest as Jamon outlined, like what it means to actually invest in our community Mm -hmm. to actually come here and and provide for Detroit. But you got to, we want people to have their ears open, right? Yeah. And I think what's really important about this conversation is knowing who who are the folks you go to to understand the authentic Detroit experience and the history around the city for folks who are newer. Just just have your ears open and, and listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, Carrie, on your podcast, Marsha Music, who's a writer and cultural historian and, and a friend of the show and of mine, uh, said something really, I think, uh, absolutely on mm-hmm. the on the point that you're making. Let's take a listen to what she said. For me, it's really, it's essentially a matter of erasure. We have a profound understanding in Detroit. Even many of the whites who are born and bred Detroiters have a real understanding that there has been a tendency to erase the existence, the very existence of black Detroiters in many aspects of life. And as if the culture that we have here is meaningless. Yeah, I mean that that, that mm-hmm. is so perfectly captures that feeling we have when I think new people who we want in the city. I mean, I say all the time, mm-hmm. I'd love for us to have three or four hundred thousand more people mm-hmm. uh, in Detroit than we have right now, and right. most of them would be new people if mm-hmm. if if that happened. But they need to they need to come and and respect what was here and mm-hmm. and and who was here. That's right. Um, that's really important. Uh, again, many I really appreciate. The call and the and the comments. Let's go next to Glenn in Detroit. Glenn, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. This is a great program. Uh, I've been in Detroit for 55 years. Uh, I didn't grow up here. I started on the east side uh, in the, in the uh, Indian Village area, one of the apartment places near Indian Village. 
and uh, always hung out in the city. You know, you guys are talking about the 60s and 70s. There were a lot of great clubs. We had a lot of fun in the city. Mm-hmm. I always have enjoyed it. So, uh, so Glenn, did, we're, uh, we're going to run out of yeah. time, but I, but I have a question. You, If you moved here 55 years ago, that's around 1967. Mm-hmm. Tell, me, tell me what yep. brought you here then. Uh, a job. I worked for, I left college, got my first job, worked for Burroughs Corporation right mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, the new center yep. area. And I'm a city boy, and I love the city. Mm-hmm. Detroit has a lot to offer. The people are so friendly. I live in the South Park now. Uh, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. it's just great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. And uh, I wouldn't want to be That's reverse flight, Glenn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you came as other folks were, were picking up the pace of, of leaving. That's a great, that's a great. You're a Detroiter now. <laughs> that's right. You've been here that <laughs> long. Years. 55 years. That's more than I've been here for right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to make a note to uh, all our listeners. Look, uh, we're not going to get to everybody on the phones today because they are, of course, packed. This is a really popular subject. But uh, don't just uh, go away uh, at noon on the show Culture Shift. We're going to talk about this as well. I'm going to be a guest uh, with the host there. We're going to have the same conversation or maybe a slightly different one. And you can call in to that show uh, as well. And always uh, the number here is 313-577-1019. But I want to thank everybody who did call and get on the air. And those of you who are still waiting, again, come back at noon. Uh, I also, of course, want to thank our guests, Jamon Jordan, Nicole Trujillo-Pagan, and Carrie Jr., the second uh, all of you were really great uh, in this conversation. Thanks, Thanks so for much having for joining us. us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we are going to prepare for the governor's state of the state address by looking at the state of some of the most pressing issues here in Michigan. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.